Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learn in the process. I am your host, Sam Valentine, and I am so excited to get to today's podcast guest. I met Gabrielle in a class with Sarah Mornell. You guys know Sarah. We've talked on several podcasts. She'll be coming back hopefully in next season. But Gabrielle and I met and I instantly knew. I was like, there's something about her. And I, I want to I get to know her better. And I got her on the phone and we ended up talking for, I think, over two hours. And we talked about that in the beginning of our call. She's someone I could talk to nonstop and for so many reasons we have a lot in common, but also I admire her grit and her tenacity and her work efforts so much, and I know there is so much you guys can steal from her too. Gabrielle Binloss is an actress in multiple markets. She's opinionated, she's unapologetic, and she loves a good curse word, as do I. She's passionate about empowering women of color in the industry and being a stand for unapologetic boldness. She started her own career in Atlanta, where she strives to help others break out of the mold of playing small and allow their realness to come through. And you are going to get a good taste of Gabrielle's realness today on the podcast because she gets really honest about transitioning from just being in Atlanta to also working in Los Angeles. How working in the Marvel franchise and Captain America and the Winter Soldier really did change her career in ways that she did not expect nor see coming and how she actually thought that was going to go in her head. She takes on the inside look of working in multiple markets and also how it's like just working as a multiple tier businesswoman because she also runs an online yoga studio. I am fascinated by Gabrielle and I also know that her career is going to take off. I am so excited to get her on the podcast now. So without further ado, please enjoy Gabrielle Binloss. I am very excited and let me just tell you why because usually I'm here with Gabrielle Binloss and <laughs> typically I do I have like a list of questions and I have like a, like a, at least like a starting board of things but I knew I didn't need to prepare nearly as much because a couple months ago you and I got on the phone for just a quick coffee call and we talked for 2 hours and I thought this is someone I should have on my podcast ladies and gentlemen Gabrielle <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we, we're, this is going to be solid. This is going to be great. Um, would you like to tell us where you are located at today and kind of what you're up to? Sure. Um, yes. So I am located in Atlanta, Georgia. This is my home base. And currently what I'm up to is drying my hair to get ready to tape an audition. It's a big, big world over here. <laughs> We'll get right into it because I feel like you audition more than anyone I know. Do you feel like you audition more than anyone I know? Oh, God. I could just hear, insert all the people being like, why the fuck do I not have as many auditions? Um, so for, for first thing I would say, because I used to be the person that would hear something like that and be like, oh, my God, I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I do audition a lot. And I really don't turn down auditions. So I have a mentality with my agents and my managers of if I'm submitted and I fit the scope, I, I want to do the audition because I used to hate auditioning and I needed to find a love for it. So oftentimes that means I'm auditioning for things that I'm not right for. Um, there might even be times when they're auditioning me and my audition doesn't actually go anywhere. Sometimes they could just be sending me the audition because they're like, she needs to be stretched. I don't know. I just give it to them and it's in their hands. 
I do audition a lot though. I'm very fortunate. <laughs> when did that change for you? When did you start liking auditions? Hmm. I would say after my first pilot season uh, in LA, I had signed with an LA manager in December and went straight into pilot season and had no idea. And I actually, I remember Sam Mornell saying like, hold on tight, baby girl. You're going to be the new girl in the pond. You have some great credits. It's going to be a whirlwind. And I signed with my manager at like three o'clock in the afternoon. By five o'clock, he had sent me six auditions. Holy and I shit. was like, yeah, it was crazy. And I didn't have a, the sense of self that I have now. And I had a lot creep in about not being enough. And it made me hate auditions because every time I auditioned, I felt like I was missing so much to even be cast. And that opened up a lot of inner work with my therapist, which became me liking auditioning because I would feel something that would come up that felt like it wasn't enough. And it was like, Oh, good. This is another place I've been hiding. I can take this and work on it. And each time I worked on it, it became like, when it would come back up, I'd be like, fuck yeah, let me show you what I can do. Cause I've worked on this therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I so love that I crossover. Like <laughs> I love it's that. Like a, a show off of my therapeutic work. <laughs> there are worse places that you could put that. Okay. So uh, take me back to before you had an LA agent, you were based in Atlanta. That's where you're from. That's where you grew up. When did you decide that acting could be a job job? So yes, before I had an LA agent, agent I've been with Atlanta Models and Talent for, this is my 10th year with them. Mm-hmm. And Who's I would been on say, the podcast actually, Jason, I know. Yeah. yeah. My favorite Jason is a huge part of the turnaround of my career. When Jason started at AMT is when I decided to treat it as a job job. Um, Ooh, he, what about that? I, <laughs> I met with Jason. I am extremely type a. So when I saw someone new was on the roster, I was like, Oh, no way in hell this person's going to go any longer without knowing who I am, what I can do and all of that. Right. Which is funny because I told you that I had, didn't have a, a strong sense of self when I was auditioning with LA. And that's because I was dealing with that mentality from Atlanta of like, I'm great in Atlanta. I'm not good enough in LA. So that's what was going on there. At the point when J- Jason had signed on, I had a pretty good amount of co-star credits that I felt worthy of a sit down meeting with Jason. And he entertained it. It was like his first week. He was like, great, I'll sit down with this girl. I came with bullet points. I came with headshots. I came with everything that anybody would need to know to be able to market me. And Jason already knew everything. He was like, that headshot with the red shirt and the glasses, it's not great for you. We need to switch it up. You need to, and this started like going off with all these things. And in that moment, I realized he's going to take my career just as seriously as I am. And I, owe it to both of us to be able to give it that time and space. That being said, I had saved a bunch of money. I had worked my ass off. I was a a manager for Lululemon and I was also teaching all these fitness classes and then also booking a good amount of commercial work. So I had saved up a shit ton of money. I had created a plan for myself. The only thing I was missing was somebody that was going to work as hard as me. And then Jason 
was inserted into it. And I was like, I'm going to go. And then the last thing I'll add is I had started dating who is now my fiance at that time. We were like eight months into the relationship. And I'm a very independent person. And I think very, um, I'm kind of like you, Sam, and Mm -hmm. money is a big driver for me. Mm -hmm. And I saw the opportunity of we could move in together and slash my bills in half, which would allow me to pursue my acting career more. So I need to give him a shout out because if we didn't move in at that exact same time, there's no way in hell I would have been able to quit. (laughs) So thank you, Corey. Thanks, Corey. We all appreciate you. Sometimes things just happen as they're supposed to. Uh, You know, what's cool about that scenario is that you, by the time this agent ended up being the person who was going to really change things for you, you already had all of the things you could control in line. And I think that's something I try to emphasize to actors so often is there, there is only so much you can do right with the reps you're able to get a hold of, or the auditions you're able to get a hold of, or whatever it is. There's only so much you can do, but there's a lot of other shit that you can do and getting your money right and getting your day-to-day life right, right? Like how uh, did you know that you were doing something that would benefit you later while you were doing that and getting your day-to-day life and your money together? Good question. I did and I didn't. On the practical things that people tell you, I did. Like, Mm -hmm. You need to have at least six months rent ready to go just in case something happens. I understood that what I, I got my yoga certification, not knowing where it was going to take me. I got it right after I graduated college, spent a shit ton of money, like where the money came from. I hustled and worked my ass off for it. And I didn't know when I had gotten it, that that would be the trajectory of my yoga career. I'd start my own business and that Mm -hmm. would be a baseline for my side hustle while I was doing acting. So I had no idea there. And I would say, you know, speaking on another podcast that you had done, that hustle mentality, I was so burnt out that I actually didn't know how to prepare for not hustling and relaxing, but I had such a desire and need for it that I just kind of jumped into the deep end on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Did your yoga business exist at this time? No, my yoga business did not exist. Uh, Well, I was teaching at one studio while I was working at Lululemon and I was teaching like four or five classes, I had a conversation with them of if I decide to leave, what would be the possibility of me picking up more classes? Do you guys have that for, for me? And her words exactly were, I could give you 14 to 20 classes a week. So I was like, I'm sold. That sounds like 14 to 20 hours. And right now I'm working 90 hour weeks. So I'll take it. And then I taught there all the way up till 2020. And when, you know, the explosion of 2020 happened, they closed down and I started my own yoga business. Mm. I love the pivot though, of your acting career with your business and that, that it's all possible. Is there, we'll get, we'll get real deep into acting stuff in a second, but I want to talk about this business. Oh, thing. Yeah. Did you think ever that you were compromising your acting work by starting your own business? I think about it often. I wouldn't say compromising is the word I would choose. I would say, did I pick the right one? Because one feels more practical than the other, but Mm -hmm. that's highly dependent on how many private clients I've booked versus how many gigs have I booked. And I think society wants you to think 
that the thing that's already there, right? There's a need for black women to be teaching yoga. There's a need already there. So why not jump for that versus taking the one that has a lot more people already doing what you're doing. So that plays with my mind. Um, and I always have to check in on where is that coming from? And it's a fear-based mentality. It's a fear of not being successful, which is one of my deep-seated things. And I have to remind myself when I'm coming from fear, like it's just not going to help. So I go the other way as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Sometimes it gets the best of me. <laughs> totally. I. It's such a, it's been a big conversation I've been having recently with actors is, mm. you know, prepping themselves to potentially have a business or to work someone else and, and upping their value in a sense of their time is worth more per hour so they can do less of mm. that work. And I think that's a prime example of that. Although I think, ooh, should I have gone with the other option? Having my own business has only made me stronger as an actor because it's given me somewhere else to put my focus, which was the issue before was I was putting so much focus on the auditions. And when auditions come through, obviously the confirmation is the first thing you're going to give them. But after that, I get to decide how I'm going to get it turned in. And if I have a private client that day, or I have other things I need to do. It's like, this is money that's funneling in right now. I need to take care of this. And then I'll get to the other thing, which takes a lot of the heaviness of the audition off of it. So that's only helped. And then I lucked out by picking something in the field of mindfulness because being present only helps you on camera as well. So it's a do it's a d double edged sword for me. <laughs> totally. No, to I mean, I talk about that with podcasting. Like I listen for a job and nothing has made me better. Truly. Yes. Yes, Truly. exactly. You are actually one of the most active listeners I've ever met. It's a very hard, I think, skill to develop and you've done mm. it very well. Well, thank you so much. The mm -hmm. podcast is now about me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm always going to turn it on the other person and celebrate them. You should wait, just know that about no, that's me. what I do. No, don't take that from me. <laughs> I'm like listening to your podcast and I'm like, mm, these are great notes. Also, where's Sam? Let's celebrate Sam. I'm like, she's interviewing somebody. That's right. She's interviewing. Leave it alone. <laughs> that's like my, my, it's truly my defense mechanism is I'm like, how can I put, talk about someone else? Cause I feel I'm an un feel too weird talking about myself all the time. And yet I have a platform that's just my face. Okay. Literally. Uh, <laughs> we are so weird actors. Wow. I know. I know. Please cast us and make it all about us, but also please don't talk about me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and when you cast me and make it all about me, the second I get the notification, I'm going to wonder if I'm deserving of it. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it really small. When people ask about that, I'm going to say, oh, it's just a co-star. Oh, wait, I only worked six years to get that fucking co-star. <laughs> and that co-star only gave me like the other credits that I needed, or it was the co-star I just needed to get me to the next level. But it was just the co-star. It was just a co-star. I was only there for one day. Why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> it's like, that's so true though. We all, we want to make it small. And like yep. the fact that you have a full business and you're also acting in so many spheres, like was that something that you built your confidence into being who you are now? Cause it was the therapy helped. Like, what is it? Because to me, you come off as someone who seems like they've known exactly what they offer for a very long time. Wow. See how I just turned that back on you. Go ahead. Wow. <laughs> you really did that in a fucking wizard way. And I'm not going to get onto you about it because I've done it before too. I'm also not going to get onto you about it because thank you for the acknowledgement. I have a very big adoption of fake it until you make it mentality. Mm -hmm. um, I 
a lot of that comes from <laughs> everything with me has to go back to race, right? Because I have always been on the in-between of what are you, where do you fit in? So I never felt where I fit in. So what I did was like chameleon my way around and try to fit in wherever, which included a lot of me being fake and not true to who I was to fit in. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I didn't think I was beautiful. And somebody at the time was like, well, why don't you just fake feeling like you're beautiful? And it sounds so stupid. And people are probably going to be like, what do you mean? Just fake it, whatever. You're going to call bullshit. Look, I call bullshit often. And eventually it changes or you get more experiences that back up what you were thinking. You're like, oh, wow, maybe I am. And then you start to believe it. And then it starts to become a way of life. And I think I was acting like I knew who I was a lot earlier than I actually knew who I was. And then I started to figure out, wait a second, some of these things are true about me, get audition notifications that were what I was thinking I already was. And that built now who I am, of course, with therapy and other things as well. But I definitely had to fake that one until I made it. (laughs) Can I ask you, you said something earlier that I've heard other Atlanta actors say too, is that, you know, they felt like they were good in Atlanta, but not LA ready. Mm. Which is so funny because as someone who's only acted professionally in Los Angeles, I look at Atlanta and I'm like, oh man, should I actually be there and not here? Wow. Like that crosses my mind often. And I, I've never thought about it like that. Was that something that you were taught to believe on sets in Atlanta? I think it's a mix of being taught to believe it and using facts and turning them to back up your reality. When I got started in Atlanta, it was right when the big blow up happened. We had six TV shows filming here and people were starting to attach credits. Mm -hmm. What the verbiage that was being used was, wow, I can't believe they picked Atlanta. Then it turned into Atlanta's the Hollywood of the South. Then it turned into we're starting to compete with what LA and New York has. All of these things put Atlanta at a lower scale, per se, than the other markets. So that was what I constantly heard. Of course, there was those times when you're on set and somebody else that's dealing with their own inner work that hasn't done it will say something like, um, yeah, but you're just Atlanta. Or they only hire co-stars out of Atlanta because they can get you guys for cheap. I've been on set before where somebody has said, oh, where are you from? And I'll say Atlanta. And they're like, what? I thought you were LA. And I'm like, oh, thank you. That's a compliment. And they were like, oh, well, I just didn't see anybody from Atlanta ever booking it. So that kind of stuff has been said. And then on top of that, it's an easy place to be, right? It's an easy place to keep yourself small so that when you do book, it feels like a win. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally, totally. So when you started getting more auditions and they were getting bigger and in Atlanta, did you have to kind of battle with that thought with yourself? Oh yeah. I battle with that thought every day. I have a series reg audition to do after this. I'm like, do you want me? Are you sure? I don't know. Have I done enough? Like those are real thoughts. I, for me, it comes back to feeling like if I'm big, I either don't deserve it or it's too much. I've been told a lot I can be too much. So those older things seep in and I think, oh, they don't want me because I'm going to be too much or they don't want me because I'm only Atlanta. And I have to fight it every audition I get. I I don't, even when I get auditions that some people would say are smaller auditions, I still think it. 
Mm. As, as the audition rate has increased though, like for example, once Jason was on the team and like things were really picking up and stuff, did your mind even have time to battle with those things? Like you must've been, Mm. that's my favorite place to be personally is when I'm so busy that I, I get a call and it's like, you booked it. I'm like, wait, uh, booked what? Like, I can't remember. Like that's the best feeling. Right. And that's my favorite place to be. So did that kind of diminish a little bit when you got so busy? I, yes, you're absolutely right. When that pilot season portion, I think it was like January to March, old school pilot. It's not even here anymore. I definitely didn't have time to think about it. It was just like, turn it in. There were times where there would be like five or six auditions in one day. And I'm like, yes, I did it. I put down my phone and look at it and then there'd be a whole bunch more. So you really don't have time to get caught up in your head. The only times that it would happen is if there was a role that I felt like maybe you experienced this too, that I felt like was so me, then all those old thoughts would come back in. <laughs> yeah. Why do we do that? Oh my God. Every time I get one, I'm like, oh my God, this has to be me. I'm like, okay, what exactly do they want? Bitch, it's you. What do you mean? And it happened so quickly. Like even just when you said it, oh, this is so me, what exactly do they want? Like, it's the thought right after. You literally just said, it's so me. There should never be this other thought of what do they want? They want me, I just said it. But so quickly are we to be like, so what do they want? (laughs) Right, and it's funny because they want, oh my God, this is so me, and they called me in. That should be the connection. Like, oh, they they casting knew exactly who I am. That's so cool. And instead we're like, how do I convince them of who I am? Yes. How do I, can I tell you how many times I've done, how do I convince them that I am strong and opinionated? Like, bitch, what? That is literally what is oozing out of your veins. Do not try that on camera because it will come off as forced. (laughs) Yeah. But that's only something you learn though by watching yourself on camera a bunch, which as someone who's basically probably self-taped majority of their career, you're probably ahead of the curve on a lot of those things. You lucked out in Atlanta for sure, because we've been self-taping for everything. I'm very accustomed to watching myself on camera. I, not that you're asking for the tip. I like to turn my auditions in after I've like, you know, edited them and then go back and watch them the next day. If I have the time and I'm not working like with too close to the deadline, I'll tape the audition and wait like three or four hours and watch it when I'm removed from it. Because I find that I'm not as attached and I can celebrate myself a little bit more. When I look at it right after, whew, that's yeah. brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brutal. And it's on a timeline <laughs> and there's all these things. Do you ever retape when you rewatch it? I do not retape. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's good a, to know. That's a beast for me. I, I have done it in the past and it was never better. So I just stick with the one I submit. I will also say, a lot of the stuff I've booked have been off of the tapes that I probably would have retaped if I've given myself the ability to. And I think what casting saw through it was somebody who was human versus somebody who had perfectly crafted an audition. And that's what books. God, that's such a good one. Talk to me about getting a Los Angeles manager as an Atlanta actor. How did that happen? Yeah. So I had booked Marvel, but wasn't allowed yeah. to talk about it. Which, by the way, we are going to talk about. I'm, I'm <laughs> super yeah, into this. I booked Marvel. So I had this little gem of when this comes out, you're going to need management. Otherwise, a lot of people are going to flood your inbox and you're not going to know where to go. So I had a great amount of people around me who had had experience and were able to help guide me on finding one. And a couple of people came through and I did the work of researching who those people were. And that, that was all from referrals. It wasn't 
nobody wanted to talk to me without knowing Marvel was there. And I wasn't allowed to tell anybody about Marvel. <laughs> so, so you booked, so you, you auditioned and you booked, which will, I would love to like get into the weeds of that in a second. But when you booked it, had you gone to set yet or was somebody instantly like you booked it and then you were like, I need to get a manager? Oh, no, I had filmed almost all of that project before we even talked about a manager. It was, yeah, it was December and it was supposed to come out in January and then they got pushed, Marvel got pushed back until I think March. So it was like, it's about to come out. Let's look into getting this. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. When When you booked that, did you think this is a game changer? No. Why not? I still do not see Marvel as a game changer because I'm still working on feeling worthy enough to have booked it. Let's talk about your role a little bit. Will you tell everyone about it? Yes. So in Falcon and Winter Soldier, I play the role of Olivia. She is Wyatt Russell, who's Captain America in the majority of the series. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. She's his wife. She is supportive. She is strong. She is, uh, she's the words of wisdom that comes in when he's having his moments. Mm -hmm. And she taught me a lot. (laughs) She's very empathetic and I am working on empathy. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, was it a self tape that turned into a callback kind of situation? What does that look like for Marvel? Give us the inside scoop. Oh, everyone's going to love this. Um, There was no callback for that role. I auditioned for that role on a really bad day. It was Mm. a really bad day for me. And the person I was taping with, Nicole, was like, well, let's just put this on tape and be wherever you're at. The scene was dummy sides, four pages. Like, I feel like that's almost always what Marvel is. Four pages, dummy sides, two scenes. Was it untitled Marvel? What was it? Untitled Marvel and the character was wife. It. Okay. Did no, you look at them? Look at them. You were like, these are dummy sides. How did you know that they were dummy sides? Yes. Dummy side. The dummy sides had no page numbers on them. And yeah. the names were not any names that I knew of in the Marvel universe yet. I think it was like Sam, Sally. And that was it. Okay. Uh, so we put the audition on tape. It was two scenes. I showed both sides of me I believe one of the one of the scenes was her being supportive and the other scene was her being like you're gonna need to do this one thing which is the breath of Olivia on the show she's supportive and she also comes in and says like you need to get your act together and we submitted it and about maybe a month later Jason calls and he says hey so it's between you and another girl in LA for the role just like you said I was like what role and he said, Marvel, the a month is Marvel. a long time to not hear a anything. Long time. Well, and you know, we practice, you submit and you forget about it. And I really forgot about Marvel. I was like, they must have made a mistake. They just wanted to say I was the wild card. <laughs> I totally did not think he was going to say for Marvel. <laughs> also, by the way, based on our previous conversation that we've been having, of course, they had to say it's between you and a girl in L.A. Like oh, that just reinforces yeah. all of the stuff we were just talking about. Yeah, actually, that's a good point that you pulled that up because I I never put those two and two together. It's funny how when you're working on stuff, you'll get these little um, nudges of old mentality. And it takes, just like you said, 
you looking back and be like, wow, I totally still said yes to that old mentality, even though I was working on the new one. But yes, the verbiage was she's in LA. She has the same credits as you. So they're just deciding between the two of you. And again, in that moment, I was like, oh, well, it won't be me. I'm not in LA. I had lost previously lost. Let me rephrase that. I don't think you ever lose roles. They're just not for you. Mm -hmm. But there were three other previous roles I really thought were going to be for me. And I was in the final round and I was, didn't get it. And it went to somebody in LA. So I was like, this is going to be the same thing. Um, And Chase and Tara were the casting people on it. I'd worked with them before in other projects and everybody fought for me. And he called me, I think the next night at 11 o'clock at night, I get a text from Jason that says, Hey, is it too late to call? I was like, get the fuck out of here. Call my phone. What is going on? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Is it too late to call to tell me I booked Marvel? It's never too late. It's two o'clock in the morning. Call, Jason. Yeah, I haven't slept since you said it's between you and one other person. I've just been wide awake. So please let me know. So there was there was no follow up. They were just rewatching your audition and pairing the person. There was no chemistry read. There was no there was nothing. There was was before COVID, too. So they could have done that. They could have done that. There was nothing. I did not know who I was playing until I went to the wardrobe fitting. And I did not meet Wyatt Russell until in the middle of the scene we were filming. That is bananas. <laughs> it's crazy. Did they give you were sides like secret? Like, like, was there a process oh, of yeah. getting your pages and stuff? Yes. There's a online server that you can only ask, access from a desktop. You can't even pull it up from your phone and it's all encrypted. You have to type in your password. It goes away on a certain amount of time. Like once the pages are done, they don't just stay in there for you to go back and do your work. <laughs> Fuck. Can you like print them off? No. So you can't print. No option sides. to print. If you try to print, it's a blank page. <laughs> the true file will destruct in T minus <laughs> mentality. Oh my God. What a trip. I, I mean, yeah. I, it's, it's like just another layer of fun, right? To the process. Yeah, that is amazing. Okay, so then you filmed that and you got a manager and then everything got pushed. Yeah, everything got pushed. What was uh, it like waiting for this role that was going to be such a big deal? But then COVID and then, you you know, is it going to air? Are we going to do this? Like, wh- how did you handle that quiet time? Because you're also probably wanting to use that footage and that role for auditions to get your next level of shit and you're just in a waiting period. It was hard. And we, you know, it took us two years to film. So you had to get used to it because you knew it wasn't going to be a six month process. They were going all over the place. They actually went to film and that was when COVID hit and had to get right back on a plane and come back. Like they had been filming oh, for wow. a while. So once I had finished my stuff, There was obviously the anxiety of when will this come out so I can see what happens. I benefited from feeling like it wasn't going to change my career. So I didn't put a bunch of like, oh, I can't wait till it gets out. I was also living in fear mentality of what if all my stuff gets cut? What if I'm not even as big in it as I thought I was going to be? So I did not allow myself the joy of the booking, which only helped me in the sense of the anticipatory feelings that a lot of people would have thought they would have. I wasn't having because I didn't feel deserving. Was not the way to go because I should have celebrated all that in between and acknowledged myself for what I had done. (laughs) What would you do now if you could go back and actually celebrate it? 
I think I would relax a lot more. And I would write down my character's name all over the house and say, I am Olivia Walker. I would take myself out to dinner because I couldn't tell anybody about it. So it was just me. <laughs> I would probably make a vision board for her and put all the things that are going to happen afterwards. And my yoga wants me to play out what happens after I've watched her scenes on TV. I would allow myself to live as if it's already out, even though it wasn't mm. and just be happy with that. That's really beautiful. Also, now I'm going to hold you to this when you book the series regular, you film later. Just so you know. <laughs> Please do. Please do. I was just talking to my therapist and she's like, what's your next fear? And I was like, but I'm not ready for series regular. She's like, that you're not ready or you're not deserving. I was like, you're right, but I'm not deserving of series regular because I'm fucking ready, <laughs> but I'm not. <deserving>. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the, that's the, that's the game changer, right? When you can really delineate what is me versus what is I've picked up along the way. 100%. That is so rad. Okay, so now you're repped on, you're repped in the Southeast, you're repped in Los Angeles, you're self-taping all the time. What's your day-to-day life like? Like what's a day in your life right now? Do you have any routines? Do you have any go-tos? Like it sounds like you get a lot of emails about auditions. How do you rock your day? (laughs) I start my day off with either journaling, meditation, or a walk with my dogs. It's important to me not to look at my cell phone until that's happened Mm -hmm. to keep my space to myself. Then the day just hits the ground running. It includes training one or two people in the morning. It includes doing a voiceover from my car, washing my hair to prep it for an audition I'm going to put on tape later on, either supporting friends somehow, whether it's like they needed to take a phone call or I need to check up on them. Relationships to me is what it's all for. Like if you get to that point that you want to get to, but you don't have anybody to call, then what was the point? So I love that so much. It's very big to me to check in on my people. Um, And it also reminds, I have, most of my people are not actors. So it reminds me that there's a life outside of this life. And it's great for me as well. Uh, And then I am OCD about cleaning. My space is a very big deal. So I have lights that can change to any type of color I want. I have candles in every room so that it always smells good and feels good in my place. I keep that vibe going. And then by that time, it's like the afternoon when I'm either putting the audition on tape or if I don't have an audition for the evening, then I'm going to go ahead and make myself dinner. That's another thing I like to do. I, it's, um, it's become a very big deal to me to make things that make me happy a part of my day to day, instead of feeling like I should work all of the time. Work, me making dinner is work for me because it's allowing that side of my brain to just go to sleep and, and be present in that moment. And that's only going to help me be more present on camera and also not put all my happiness into my acting career. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Do you think you act every single day? I think I act as far as auditions. Yeah, like do you do you do you a- use actor muscles like read sides do it's something I'm I've been helping actors with recently as a lot of them are like I don't have time to act every single day. I'm like who told you you need to act every single day? Like 
Nobody like I don't know any lawyers who lawyer every single day. And if I do, <laughs> by the way, they're alcoholics. Like, yes. you know what I mean? You couldn't lawyer every day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Somebody stop you. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine an accountant just accounting every single day like that? God, there's a no. reason weekends exist. I see what you're saying. I didn't understand. No, I don't act every single day. Oh, yeah. I have become a better actor and book more frequently by not giving a fuck. So if the audition does not come in, I am not going to act. I'm not going to just do it just to do it because it's a special reservoir for me to use without it becoming, I'm going to make this perfect. And that space stays outside of perfection when it feels like I'm being creative. And if I'm overusing that muscle on all the other things, I can't be creative in front of the camera. That being said, I watch a lot of TV. That would probably be the thing that I would do towards the career because Mm -hmm. duh, you can watch it, but no, I'm not looking at sides. I'm not reading plays. I'm not redoing my auditions. That's not happening. And I think it's important to denote that you have put in a lot of groundwork via various forms of coaching or classes or whatever to get to this point where you are steady in the work and you don't need to necessarily mentally check that box, right? Like it takes work to get to where you don't need to do as much work, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And it's a good call out because oftentimes I will not acknowledge the work I've put into to get here. And to be able to say, I only focus on acting when I'm doing auditions. Uh, But yeah, it it does. It took a lot of work. And where I'm at now in my career, they're looking for good humans to be on TV. So while they might have a breakdown for that series regular character, they're looking for you to show them something that they want to watch for a series. And the best way I can audition for that is to get and be more and more closer to myself so that when I do tape, I have that to offer. In the past, they were looking for a specific type. So I needed to make sure that I was prepped and ready for that. I have the luxury of not worrying about that now. And also, I go in and out of classes. I think you talked about this on your podcast Mm -hmm. before. I do try to take at least one class a year. And sometimes it's not an acting class. Maybe it's a dialect class. Maybe it's an axe throwing class. One type of a class that can help me either with special skills or something like that. And then I stay away from classes because... I had to do the work on trusting myself. And I found that when I was in classes too much or private coaching too much, I was waiting for them to tell me it was good. And that did not help me in my career. (laughs) Figuring that out for yourself, right? Like what is detrimental versus what is like propping you up as a, as a prop at that point? Like it's, it's huge. It's huge. I think that's, that's the best. Um, okay. Well, I mean, we also have some questions from the Patreon and I wanted to get to oh, them because wow. they, they have some specific questions for you. So, Great. I'm so um, honored. There were actual questions. Totally. Um, uh, someone wants to know, how's your fear of flying coming? Oh my God. That is the sweetest question that somebody paid attention to my social media and asked me. My Patreon team is the shit. Let me just tell you, they're so involved. Would you like to give some backstory to this question as to how it pertains to your acting career? Yes, I will. Your Patreon group is like the beehive. They really care. And that's awesome. They're the best. Uh, Backstory, I have always had a huge fear of flying. It has nothing to do with the breakdown of the plane or how the mechanics work. We're the same person. We're the same person. People are always like, well, you know, technically you could never fall out of the sky. You would glide. And I was like, doesn't compute. Does not matter. (laughs) No, listen, 
I had a fear of flying because I was scared of what would happen if I allowed myself to open the door to flying. That's really what the fear was. What happens after that? What that made made happen is I've gone to the airport to get on flights and I've decided not to go. I've canceled vacations. I actually hadn't gone on a vacation for the past five years because I couldn't get on a plane. 2020 happened. I had a fear of driving as well. So I had been working on this fear of flying with my therapist for three months and saying, I just want to get on a flight, take a trip. We went to the airport multiple times to walk around. And the goal was to take a quick 45 minute flight somewhere. In the month of December, she reached out to me to take the flight about six times. And I kept putting it off for some reason. I would make up shit. I was like, I'm booked. I wasn't booked. It's December. It's Christmas. I'm booked. I can't fly. (laughs) I made up every reason to avoid it. And what happens when you avoid the life lesson is it comes back at you in full force. So I was, I'm going to rephrase that because I was going to say I was lucky enough to book and it isn't about luck. I had auditioned for NCIS for eight times in the past year and a half. They finally found a great spot for me and NCIS was filming in Hawaii. So that meant my fear of flying had to go away and I had to get on four flights total because it was two different um, in-betweens and fly to Hawaii. So to answer that wonderful person's question, I no longer have a fear of flying. Like it's gone. It is what? gone. I actually booked tickets the other day to go somewhere and I was like, oh my God, I can see the world. It, it's, it, Hawaii was the best experience I've ever had of getting through a fear and figuring out what people always say. The only way out is through. And that's all you can do when you have a fear of flying and you're on a plane. I can't be like, stop the plane. I want to get off. You just got to go through. <laughs> oh my God. That's so cool. It's that you're just over it. Also like the fact that work was involved in that to like check off the box. Like that's just beautiful. Ugh, it was Hawaii it was the amazing. sweetest little gift. Oh my God. Hawaii is everybody. I mean, if you have the ability and the funds to go, go. It yeah. was better than the pictures and the culture and the people down there are so, it's just island life. It's island life. I know. Nothing is even set. I was like, hey, the band's not here to pick me up. It's five minutes late. Mahalo. We'll be there soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I love it. Okay. I'm going to, I'm mentally, I'm there. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's see what else we got. Ooh, uh, we already talked about your Falcon and the Winter Soldier audition. So that came up. Uh, what is the hardest part about being repped in both LA and Atlanta? The hardest part for me is accepting that I am deserving of both markets and more. Trusting that I am enough, no matter if the audition comes from my LA reps or my Atlanta reps, to do the audition and showcase my work. That is the hardest part. The logistics, the communication, the three hours behind, that is a piece of cake compared to the mental game that I have in my head. <laughs> mm, okay, that's dreamy. The next question that came up on that same topic is, do you have to pay taxes in both places? Good question. If you work in LA, yes, you will. So I will have to pay Hawaii taxes next year. Uh, someone wanted to know if your politics sway where you live at all in any city. Um, I actually moved from California to Atlanta when I was eight years old and have lived here since then. So I'm familiar with Atlanta and I've tried multiple times actually to move out to LA, but get fortunate enough to book something in Atlanta, which doesn't make sense for me to move. And once everything of 2020 started coming out, it was very important to me to stay where I was at so that I could have a voice. So my, um, 
Blood Red's very deep for Atlanta. I have a very big passion for this town and it will be hard to get me to <laughs> leave. <laughs> I will leave for a booking, of course. And if I'm filming a series and I need to move, of course. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it does play a part because I love my city. <laughs> yeah, as you should. That's where you build a life. Yeah. Uh, and then one of our last questions was, do you have any go-to things you bring with you to set? Yes. Good question. Yeah. Christmas lights. I use what? Christmas lights. Yes. That is not at all what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I wasn't. I was like, like a hairbrush or some shit. And you're like, Christmas. <laughs> I'm leaving That's this in. Funny. This is so funny. Oh, tell me about the Christmas lights. Yeah. So like I told you, ambiance is a big deal to me. And that lighting in trailers is doesn't have great ambiance. Mm-hmm. Christmas lights bring good ambiance. So Christmas lights, a candle, going back to my thing again. I like the smells has to be good. I will bring my portable speaker because I listen to Christmas music. I celebrate Christmas. So I listen to Christmas music because it's the one type of music that makes me feel good no matter which song it is. Um, and then I bring my yoga mat so I can do some stretches. Mm-hmm. I bring a completely different change of clothes when I'm in the trailer. I like to show up as my character and I like fashion. So I will make sure I match who I am playing when I am walking to stages. When I get in the trailer and I know I've got a couple hours, I'm in my leggings, my obvious, my comfy socks and my sweatshirt. And then when I'm leaving, I'm back in my character's wardrobe. Um, And then I bring my hair products because we're all, this industry is still working on being able to know how to deal with naturally curly hair. So it's always a good fallback to have your hair products in case if they aren't as familiar with your hair and you can help them learn or in case they style it some way and you're like, Hey, I don't really care for this or this isn't how I did it for my audition. And then you have your products right there to be able to help out. That was a really nice way of saying that when you said help them learn, that was really, it's a really patient answer of yours. I am working on saying things better because I tend to, uh, what's the word offend very easily. Mm. I I think you, it was so PC. I loved it so much. Thank you. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap up today? Anything you want actors to know? We're gonna glance at your IMDb. We're gonna see your bajillion credits. And oh, what do God. you what do you want to say to actors that are gonna you know look at your career, look at you, and and look up to you in a way? Because they, oh they we do and we will. Yeah. <sighs> Let us be on your team. thank you for that call out again I would say when you don't feel like you have had the accurate amount of time to prep You don't look your best that day. You don't feel your best. Your mentality isn't there. Take anyway and just be present to however you feel because that rawness that exists when you aren't on your best is, it's infectious and people want to see real human beings. So tape the audition, like do, do the audition. When, when you get in, you said, I'm going to put it off later. When I feel better, do the audition. Then there's going to be something that comes through that you haven't experienced. And whether you book the gig or not, which I will say, I almost always book on those times. 
whether you book the gig or not, you're going to find something else about yourself because you decided to not be perfect and still do the thing that you've made your life about. And in that, you will find a sense of self that you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know this was here. So it's going to be beneficial no matter what. Mm. Brilliant. (laughs) Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was absolutely fantastic. Of course. Thank you for asking me. It's an honor. 